everybody. So here is one of your hosts, Chloe Lockwood. Um, Ava is not going to be here today. Um, so today, instead of reading something that I have made, I am just going to read one of my favorite books. It's called, um, There's a Boy in the Girl's Bathroom. It's by Louis Eckhart. And it was published by Note Paperback. It's got a few rewards. Winner of 19 Children's Choice Awards, including Ira CBC Children's Choice, Texas Blue Bonnet Award, Pacific Northwest Young Readers Choice Award. So it's it's got some awards, so you know it's 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 kind of good. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. So we're going to start on our first chapter. And yes, if this author seems recognizable, he is the person who wrote Holes and the and the Wayside School series. All right, let's start. To Carla. Chapter 1. Bradley Chalker sat at his desk in the back of the room, last seat, last row. No one sat at the desk next to him or at the one in front of him. He was an island. If he could have, he would have sat in the closet. Then he could shut the door so he wouldn't have to listen to Miss Ebel. He didn't think she'd mind. She'd probably like it better that way, too. So would the rest of the class. All in all, he thought everyone would be much happier if he sat in the closet, but unfortunately, his desk didn't fit. Class, said Mrs. Ebel, I would like you all to meet Jeff Fishkin. Jeff has just moved here from Washington, D.C., which, as you know, is our nation's state capital. Bradley looked at the new kid who was standing at the front of the room next to Mrs. Ebel. Why don't you tell the class a little bit about yourself, Jeff, urged Mrs. Ebel. The new kid shrugged. There's no reason to be shy, said Mrs. Ebel. The new kid mumbled something, but Bradley couldn't hear what it was. Have you ever been to the White House, Jeff? Mrs. Ebel asked. I'm sure the class would be very interested to hear about that. No, I've never been there, the new kid said very quietly as he shook his head. Mrs. Ebel smiled at him. Well, I guess we'd better find you a place to sit. She looked around the room. Hmm, I don't see any place except, I suppose you could sit there in the back. No, not next to Bradley, a girl in the front row exclaimed. At least it's better than in front of Bradley, said the boy next to her. Mrs. Ebel frowned. She turned to Jeff. I'm sorry, there are no other empty desks. I don't mind where I sit, Jeff mumbled. Well, nobody likes sitting there, said Mrs. Ebel. That's right, Bradley spoke up. Nobody likes sitting next to me. He smiled a strange smile. He stretched his mouth so wide it was hard to tell whether it was a smile or frown. He stared at Jeff with bulging eyes as Jeff awkwardly sat down next to him. Jeff smiled back at him, so he looked away. As Mrs. Ebel began the lesson, Bradley took out out some paper and began scribbling. Sometimes he scribbled so hard his pencil point broke. Every time that happened, then he'd tape the broken point to one of the gobs of junk in his desk, sharpen the pencil, and scribble again. His desk was full of wads of torn paper, pencil points, chewed erasures, and unrecognizable stuff all taped together. Mrs. Ebel handed back a language test. Most of you did very well, she said. I was very pleased that there were 14 A's and 
the rest bees. Of course, there was one F, but she shrugged her shoulders. Bradley held up his test for everyone to see and smiled the same distorted smile. As Mrs. Ebel went over the correct answers to the, with the class, Bradley took his, out his pair of scissors and carefully cut his test paper into tiny squares. When the recess bell rang, he put on his jacket and walked outside. Hey, hey, Bradley, wait up! Somebody called after him. Startled, he turned around. Jeff, the new kid, hurried alongside him. Hi, said Jeff. Bradley stared at him in amazement. Jeff smiled. I don't mind sitting next to you, really. Bradley didn't know what to say. I have been to the White House, Jeff admitted. If you want, I'll tell you about it. Bradley thought a moment, then said, Give me a dollar, or I'll spit on you. Chapter 2 There are some kids you can just tell by looking at them. Who are good spitters? That is probably the best way to describe Bradley Talkers. He looks like a good spitter. He was the oldest and toughest looking kid in Mrs. Ebel's class. He was a year older than the other kids. That was because he had taken fourth grade twice. Now he was in the fifth grade for the first, but probably not the last time. Jeff stared at him, then gave him a dollar and ran away. Bradley laughed to himself, then watched all the other kids have fun. When he returned to the class after recess, he was surprised that Mrs. Ebel didn't say anything to him. He figured that Jeff probably would tell on him, and he figured he'd have to give his dollar back. He sat at his desk in the back of the room, last seat, last row. He's afraid to tell on me, he decided. He knows that if he tells on me, I'll punch his face in, he laughed to himself. He ate lunch alone, too. As he walked away... He from lunch. Mrs. Ebel called him to her desk. Who? Me? He asked. He glared at Jeff, who was already finished sitting down. I didn't do anything. Did you give my note to your mother? asked Mrs. Ebel. Huh? What note? You never give me a note. Mrs. Ebel sighed. Yes, I did, Bradley. In fact, I gave you two notes because you said the first one was stolen. Oh, that's right, he said. I gave it to her a long time ago. Mrs. Ebel eyed him suspiciously. Bradley, I think it's very important your mother come tomorrow. Tomorrow's parents' conference day. She can't come, said Bradley. She's sick. You never gave her that note, did you? Call the doctor if you don't believe me. The school has just hired a new counselor, said Mrs. Ebel. I think it's very important your mother meet her. Oh, they already met, said Bradley. They go bowling together. I'm trying to help you, Bradley. Call the bowling alley if you don't believe me. Okay, Bradley, said Mrs. Ebel, and she let the matter drop. Bradley returned to his seat, glad that was over. He glanced at Jeff, surprised Jeff hadn't told him. As he scribbled, he kept thinking about what Jeff had said to him. Hey, Bradley, wait up. Hi, I don't mind sitting next to you, really. I've been to the White House. If you want, I'll tell you about it. It confused him. He understood when the other kids would meet him. It didn't bother him. He simply hated them. As long as he hated them, it didn't matter what they thought of him. That way, that was why he had threatened to spit on Jeff. He had to hate Jeff before Jeff hated him. But now he was confused. Hey, Bradley, wait up. Hi, I don't mind sitting next to you, really. The words rolled around his head and banged against his brain. After school, he followed Jeff out the door. Hey, Jeff, he called. Wait up. 
Jeff turned then started run to run, but Bradley was faster. He caught up to Jeff at the corner of the school building. I ha- I don't have any more money, said Jeff said nervously. I'll give you a dollar to be with my friend, said Bradley. He held out the dollar Jeff had given him earlier. Jeff slowly reached out and then grabbed it. Jeff, Bradley smiled the same twisted smile. Have you ever been to the White House? He asked. Uh, yes, said Bradley. Me too, said Bradley. He turned and ran home. Bradley opened the front door to his house, then made a face. It smelled like fish. You're home early, his mother said Said from the kitchen. She was a large woman with fat arms. She was wearing a sleeveless green dress and holding a butcher knife. My friends and me raised home, he told her. A fat fish about the size of one of Mrs. Chalker's arms lay on a board on the counter. Bradley watched her, her raise the knife above the fish, then quickly hack off its head. He walked down the hall to his room and closed the door. Hey, everybody, he announced. Bradley's home. But he was pretending that it was somebody else who was speaking. Hi, Bradley. Hi, Bradley, he said. Hi, everybody, he answered, this time speaking for himself. He was talking to his collection of little animals. He had about 20 of them. There was a brass lion. He had found one day in the garbage on the way to school. There was an ivory donkey that his parents had brought back from their trip to Mexico. There were two owls that were once used as salt and pepper shakers. A glass unicorn with its horn broke. A family of cocker spaniels attached to an ashtray. A raccoon, a fox, an elephant, a kangaroo, and some that were so chipped and broken you can't even tell what they were. And they all liked Bradley. Where's Ronnie? Bradley asked. And Bartholomew. I don't know, said the fox. They're always they're always going off together, said the kangaroo. Bradley leaned across the bed and reached under his pillow. He pulled out Ronnie the rabbit and Bartholomew the bear. He knew they were under the pillow because that was where he had put them before he went to school. What were you two doing back there? He demanded. Ronnie giggled. She was a little red rabbit with blue eyes glued to her face. One ear was broken. Nothing, Bradley, she said. I was just taking a walk. Er, I had to go to the bathroom, said Bartholomew. He was a two, he was a brown and white ceramic bear that stood on its hind legs, his mouth open, revealing two teeth and a red tongue. I, I saw them making out, announced the Mexican donkey. I saw them kissing. Ronnie giggled. Oh, Ronnie, what am I going to do with you? Scowled Bradley. She giggled again. Bradley reached into his pocket and took out the handful of cut up bits of paper. His language test. Look, everybody, he said. I brought you some food. He dropped the bits of paper onto the bed and scooped all his animals into it. Not so fast, he said. There's plenty for everybody. Thank you, Bradley, said Ronnie said in the middle of a bite. It's delicious. Yeah, it's really good, said Bartholomew, his mouth full of food. Don't play with Don't play with your food, children The mother cocker told told her kids. Pass the salt said the pepper owl. Pass the pepper, said the salt owl. Let's hear it for Bradley, called the lion. They all cheered. 
Yay, Broadly! Ronnie finished eating, then hopped off by herself singing. Then she said, I think I'll go swim in the pond. The pond was a purple stain on Bradley's bed where he had once spilled grape juice. Ronnie jumped into the water. Suddenly she cried, Help! I have a cramp! You shouldn't have gone swimming right after eating, Bradley reminded her. Help! I'm drowning! Bartholomew looked up. That sounds like Ronnie, he said. It sounds like she's drowning in the pond! He heard the pond arrested her. Hold on, Ronnie! He shouted. I'm... The door to Bradley's room swung open. It was his sister, Claudia, barged in. She was four years older than Bradley. Get out of here, he snapped, or I'll punch your face in. What are you doing, she teased, talking to your little animal friends. She laughed, showing her braces. Claudia was who who had broken Ronnie's ear. She had stepped on it accidentally told Bradley it was his fault for leaving his animals strewn all over the floor. He didn't tell her that Ronnie wasn't on the floor. She was lost in a desert. Instead, he had said, who cares? It's just a stupid red rabbit. Mom wants you, said Claudia. She told me to get you. What does she want? She wants to talk to you. Tell your animals that you'll be right back. I wasn't talking to them, Bradley insisted. Then what were you doing with them? I was arranging them. I was putting them all in alphabetical order. It's a project for school. Call my teacher if you don't believe me. Claudia snickered. Although she always made fun of Bradley's animals, she had felt really bad when she stepped on the rabbit. She knew it was Bradley's favorite. She had bought him the bear to make up for it. What do I want a bear for, he said when she gave it to him. Bradley went into the kitchen. The fish now cut up and covered with onions was frying on top of the stove. You want me? he asked. How's everything at school? asked his mother. Great, in fact, today I was elected class president. Your grades are all right? Yes. Mrs. Ebel handed back a language test, and I got another A. In fact, it was an A+. plus. May I see it? Mrs. A. Ebel's hung it on the wall next to all the other tests. Mrs. Ebel's just called, said his mother. His heart fluttered. Why didn't you tell me that tomorrow was parent conferences day? Asked his mother. Didn't I tell you? He asked nervously. No, I don't think so. I told you, he said. You said you couldn't go. You must have forgot. Mrs. Ebel seems to think it's very important for me to be there, said his mother. That's just her job, said Bradley. The more mother she sees, the more money she makes. Well, I have an appointment with her at 11 o'clock tomorrow. Bradley stand at, stared at her in disbelief. No, you can't go, he shouted, stamping his foot. It's not fair. Bradley, what? It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. He ran into his bedroom and slammed the door behind him. A moment later, his mother knocked on the door. What is it? She asked. What is not fair? You... It's not fair, he yelled. You promised. What did I promise, Bradley? What did I promise? He didn't answer. He couldn't until he thought of what wasn't fair and what he had promised him. He stayed in his room until Claudia told him that he had to come to dinner. He followed her out the dining room where his mother and father were already sitting down. 
Did you wash your hands? Asked their father. Yes, Bradley and Claudia lied. Bradley's father had worked at the police department. He had been shot in the leg four years ago while chasing a robber. Now he needed a cane to walk, so he worked behind a desk. He did not like that kind of work, so he often came home grumpy and short-tempered. The police never caught the man who shot him. I hate fish, Bradley said. So do I, said Claudia. It sticks to my braces and I taste it for weeks. Brussels sprouts make me throw up, said Bradley. They smell like old garbage, said Claudia. You, that's enough, said their father. You will eat what is on your plates. Bradley held his nose with one hand while he picked up a Brussels sprout and with the other and put it in hole in his tooth mouth. What's all this? What's all this n- nonsense about your mother breaking a promise? Asked his father. Bradley was ready. She promised she'd take me to the zoo tomorrow, and now she won't. What? Exclaimed her, his mother. I never said I'd take you to the zoo. She did too. Said Bradley. Since there's no school tomorrow, she said she'd take me to the zoo. I didn't even know there was no school tomorrow until his teacher called me this afternoon. His mother protested. You promised said Bradley. Okay, said his father. Janet, what time is your appointment tomorrow with Bradley's teacher? Eleven o'clock. Okay, you can go to the appointment and still have time to take Bradley to the zoo. But I never said I'd take him to the zoo. You did, accused Bradley. And you have to go at eleven o'clock. Claudia snickered. Why do you have to be there at eleven o'clock? He glared at her, then turned back to his father. Because that's when they feed the lions. Claudia laughed. She promised she'd take me to see them feed the lions at 11 o'clock. Bradley insisted. His mother was flabbergasted. I don't even, I don't even know when they feed the lions. 11 o'clock, said Bradley. Don't lie to your mother, said his father. Really, they feed the lions at 11 o'clock, said Bradley. I don't tolerate with lying, said his father. I'm not lying, said Bradley. Call the zoo if you don't believe me. Don't lie to your mother and don't lie to me. Call the zoo. Your mother said she never promised to take you to the zoo. She's lying. Right after he said it, he knew it was a mistake. His father turned purple with rage. Don't call your mother a liar. Now go to your room. Just call the zoo, Bradley pleaded. Maybe I did tell him I'd take him to the zoo, said his mother. See, said Bradley. Keep it up, Bradley, said his father. Just keep it up. You want to be a criminal when you grow up? You want to spend your life in jail? I see people just like you every day at the police station. Just keep it up. Bradley stared angrily at his father. Not all criminals go to jail, he asserted. What about the man who shot you? I said, go to your room. Bradley stood up from the table. I didn't want to eat this junk anyway. He stomped down the hall and into his room and slammed the door. Then he opened and shouted, call the zoo one last time and slammed it again. He lay on his bed and cried. Don't cry, Bradley, said Ronnie. Everything will be all right. You'll think of something, Bradley, said Bartholomew. You always do. You're the smartest kid in the world. Chapter 4 Bradley stood at the front of the door, hollered, Mrs. Apples is a liar. Don't believe anything she tells you. Bradley's mother got into the car, gritted her teeth, and drove to school. She was afraid it's Bradley, he, if not some more of what Mrs. Ebbles would tell her. She wanted to believe Bradley when he told her she, told, told her she he was getting all A's or was elected class president. 
She tried to fool herself that it could be true, even though she knew it couldn't. She knew her son. And she knew Mrs. Ebbles wouldn't take the trouble to call her on the phone if Bradley was as wonderful as he said it was. Still, she hoped. She opened the door to Bradley's classroom. No one was there. Hello? She called out timidly. She looked around. There was a bulletin board covered with A papers. She looked from one paper to another and hoped with all her heart that she'd see one with Bradley's name on it. She didn't. In the back of the corner of the students, she saw a chart listed the names of every student in the class. Next to each name was a row of gold stars. Next to Bradley Chalkers, there were no stars. Mrs. Chalkers? Startled, she turned around to see Mrs. Ebble. Oh, you scared me, she said, and then smiled. Mrs. Ebble didn't smile. Mrs. Chalkers sat at the chair next to the teacher's desk and bravely listened as Mrs. Ebble told her about Bradley. There was nothing Mrs. Ebble said that she didn't already know. Still, it hurt to hear. Deep deep down, he's really a good boy, she tried to tell Bradley's teacher. I'm sure he's got a lot of good qualities, said Mrs. Ebble. However, I have 28 other children in my class, and I can't spend all of my time trying to help Bradley. He has to decide whether he's going to be part of the class or not. And if he doesn't want... To, to be part of the class, then he shouldn't be here. He just makes it much harder for everyone else. What can I do? said Bradley's mother. The school has just hired a counselor, said Mrs. Ebble. I'd like your permission for Bradley to begin seeing her once a week. Anything that will help my son, said Mrs. Chalkers. I don't know if she can help him or not, said Mrs. Ebble. Bradley has a very serious behavior problem. If he doesn't improve soon, more drastic measures have to be taken. Deep, da- deep down, he's really a good boy, said Bradley's mother. Well, let's go meet the counselor, said Mrs. Ebel. She led Bradley's mother down the hall to the counselor's office. The door was open, but no one was there. Bradley's mother stepped into the room. Boxes were everywhere. Her, Some were turned over with their contents half spilled onto the floor. A yellow y- ladder lay on its side. In the center of the room was a round table surrounded by chairs, but the table and chairs were covered in papers and boxes and games and books. There were hardly any room for Bradley's mother and the teacher to stand. She's just moving in, Mrs. Ebble explained. I'm sure she'll have it all cleaned up by tomorrow. Mrs. Chalker shrugged. She picked up a dolphin puppet from an open box on the table and put her hand inside it. Suddenly there was a loud grunt and a young woman entered the room. She dropped the box she was carrying and more than a hundred crayons spilled out. Oh, hello, she said. She was a lot younger than either Mrs. Ebbles or Mrs. Chalkers. She wore a blue she wore blue jeans and a red t shirt with rock and roll written across in light blue letters. She had light brown hair, almond blo- almond almond blonde and clear blue eyes. I'm Carla Davis, she said, and held out her hand. Bradley's mother stared at her a moment and then realized she was still wearing the dolphin puppet. She quickly removed it and put it back in the box. The counselor smiled. She needs you to sign some forms so you can start seeing son. Mrs. Davis looked hopefully around her office. They're around here somewhere, she muttered, and began tearing through boxes. Perhaps I'd better come back, said Mrs. Bradley's mother. Found them, said the counselor, holding up some the forms. She cleared a space on the round table by pushing a, away a box and gave Mrs. Chalkers a form to sign. Bradley's mother looked around the messy office, then at the young woman with the rock and roll t-shirt. 
She shrugged her shoulders and signed her name. Miss Davis took the form, form from her. Oh, you're Bradley's Chalkers, mother. Mrs. Chalkers nodded. You would not believe all the horror stories I've heard about Bradley Chalkers, said the new counselor. I've been here less than three hours, but it seems like every teacher has dropped by to warn me. Deep down, he really is, Bradley's mother started to say. I can't wait to meet him. The counselor interrupted. He sounds charming, just delightful. So I think I'm going to read one more chapter, and then we're going to sign off. This one's kind of short. Chapter 5. At dinner, Bradley's father asked how the meeting with Bradley's teacher went. Bradley looked down at his mashed potatoes. Fine, said his mother. Bradley's doing very well. Good. Glad to hear it, said his father. Bradley was glad to hear it, too. Later that evening, his mother came to his room. I met Miss Davis, the new counselor, she said. You're going to start seeing her tomorrow. No, said Bradley. I won't go. Please, Bradley, don't be that way. She can help you if you let her. I don't need help. You said I was doing well. Do you want me to tell your father the truth? Do you want to be sent to a military school? Maybe he's right. I don't know. Maybe that's what you need. You said I was doing very well. I heard you. Please, Bradley, said his mother. Give Miss Davis a chance. Please. You should have taken me to the zoo. It was dribbling the next morning as Bradley walked to school. He wore his red rubber boots and a yellow raincoat. He stamped in every puddle along the way, making big splashes. He suddenly stopped when he saw Jeff hang standing next to the school. Under the overhang, Bradley's right foot remained in the center of the puddle as he stared at his one and only friend. He took a deep breath and slowly watched toward Jess. He has to like me, he tried to convince himself. I gave him a dollar. Hi, Bradley, Jeff greeted him. He didn't answer. If you want, I can help you with your homework sometimes. I know I'm new here, but I'm pretty smart. We learned most of the same stuff in my old school. He shrugged modestly. Bradley looked at Jeff as if he were from outer space. I don't need any help, he said. I'm the smartest kid in the class. Ask anyone. If necess- They headed for Mrs. Ebel's room, side by side, but not necessarily together. Okay, we're going to stop there. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really do enjoy this book. I This is like the third time I've read it. So, uh, you should definitely go out and get it yourself. If you don't like reading, just listen here because I am begging you. You have to read this book. It's amazing. I am going to sign off, but before I do, I want you guys to know that if you guys want to start a podcast, you should definitely go to the Anchor app. You can record it from your phone or your computer. You have all the necessary items and tools you need there and you can actually get money from doing it thank you guys so much for listening bye